Constitution to strengthen our argument and our movement. We have a First Amendment right to speak and assemble, and we better use it. The Internet's hall monitors out in Silicon Valley, they think they can suppress us, discourage us. Maybe if you're just a little less patriotic, maybe if you just conform to their way of thinking a little more, that you'll be allowed to participate in the digital world. Well, you know what? Silicon Valley can't cancel this movement or this rally or this congressman. We have a second amendment in this country and I think we have an obligation to use it. The second amendment, this is a little history lesson for all the fake news media. The second amendment is not about, it's not about hunting, it's not about recreation, it's not about sports. The second amendment is about maintaining within the citizenry the ability to maintain an armed rebellion against the government if that becomes necessary. I hope it never does, but it sure is important to recognize the founding principles of this nation and to make sure that they are fully understood. Oh, they hate that. We, that that'll be the part that gets me like kicked off YouTube, right? Talking about our rights and our freedoms. Have you seen who Joe Biden wants to put in as the head of ATF? This is someone who has dedicated their career to depriving law-abiding citizens of their access to rights. Gun control is not going to deter the criminals. And where I come from in North Florida and where you come from in Georgia, gun control just means we have a steady aim. We have a right to be free of unreasonable search and seizure in this country, and we better protect it. Well, that was Congressman Matt Gates speaking last week at the Dalton, Georgia, America First rally with Marjorie Taylor Greene up on the stage. And the reason I wanted to come in on that, ladies and gentlemen, welcome, by the way, to another episode of The National Pulse, Tuesday, June the 1st. The year of our Lord 2021. The reason I wanted to come in on that, although it's now, you know, several news cycles old, is, you know, I, I didn't get a chance to, to podcast this weekend. I, I know that all of you are being incredibly patient with me and with this podcast being a little bit more sporadic as things really hot up between what's going on with the China virus, between what's going on with the election audits, and of course the, the national tours and rallies and events that are taking place all around the country. As, as all of that continues, by the way, uh, we will be as busy as ever, busier than ever, and deploying uh, more and more resources in order to cover these events, to bring you the facts uh, as they are on the ground from inside the room. I know a lot of you uh, got a kick out of me on the press rise the other day, reporting from Dalton in Georgia, and we'll be doing more of that. Um, So I thank you for your patience, and I thank you for your support. Lots more people are joining up to the National Pulse. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Right now, I wanted to open with that clip of Congressman Gates because for the 
48 hours immediately after he said those words up on that stage, speaking about the First Amendment and then speaking about the Second Amendment, the corporate media, I mean, you heard him there in the clip in and of itself. You know, Gates says, you know, this is what's going get, to get me kicked off YouTube. What he was saying was, hey, they're going to come after me for talking about our constitutional rights. And that's exactly what they did within minutes, within minutes of him leaving that stage in Dal- Dalton, Georgia, I'm led to understand CNN reached out and said, hey, you know, Gates, you're talking about the Silicon Valley whore monitors, and then you say we have a Second Amendment and a, and a, and a you know obligation to use it. Are you telling people to shoot up Silicon Valley now? Anybody who listens to the entirety of that speech, anybody who listens to the entirety of that segment from that speech, could tell you that there that is a wholly risible, farcical, and 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 quite frankly sociopathic take on what the congressman said. You know, he goes, "Here's here's the First Amendment. This is what the First Amendment is. This is how we defend the First Amendment. Here's who, you know, here are the people attacking the First Amendment." He then pivots and talks about the Second Amendment and what the Second Amendment is. But no, what they did, what they did was they chopped it up to cut away all the latter part on the Second Amendment. So it just. It was just, hey, the Silicon Valley guys are coming after us and we should use our Second Amendment. You know, incredibly, incredibly duplicitous, um, willfully, I think, fomenting violence. I think that causes problems that the media does this and, and, and acts like this because some loony leftist will watch that and go, oh, I better shoot up Matt Gates before he shoots up Silicon Valley. That's what CNN is hoping for, I believe. I don't think this is stupidity, by the way. I think this is wholly intentional and designed to harm. And if I were Congressman Gates, I would be standing outside CNN in Washington, D.C. or in New York right now demanding answers and retractions and apologies on camera. And I might just have 100,000 people standing with me you have, I mean, 100,000 is probably quite a lot. A thousand people standing with me. You have to take these fights to them. And again, I'm talking rhetorically. I'm talking metaphorically. I'm talking, yes, yes, you can confront people without violence, without aggression, but you can confront them over their lies. And that is what we do here every day all day, every day. And I am not going to sit here and lie to you as if I am not exhausted of it. Because I grew up in a world, and I'm sure many of you did as well, I'm 34 years old, I know there are many people my age and older who listen to this show. And I grew up in a world where when somebody was caught lying, for whatever reason, maybe it was an accident, maybe it was willful, maybe it was a mix of the two, you know, whatever. They put their hands up and they said, all right, you know, fair cop, um, I'll resign. I'll fall on my sword. Today, lying is rewarded. Today, lying is encouraged. Today, lying is the modus operandi of the political media establishments. 
they don't care anymore that they're doing it. They don't fear any retributive action from inside their own companies. No executive is going to slap them on the wrist for behaving like this. In fact, if anything, they are being ordered to do it by Jeff Zucker, by, you know, the head honchos at NPR, by all of these corporate progressive communist elites that can only profit if this country, if the, if the Western world is divided and their audience only grows in times of tumult, right? In times of national torture. That's what, the, that's what they stir every single day. Stirring the pot, dividing the nation for, for eyeballs, for clicks, for time on site. You know, whatever it is, all these KPIs, these key performance indicators that these corporate executives have. I mean, you heard that. I hope you heard that. You heard that Project Veritas video where where Zucker has this red phone and he calls into the red phone and he says, you're boring me with everything on screen right now. This is to CNN producers. Put Put up the coronavirus death numbers again. You know, profiteering off death profiteering off what we increasingly know was a Chinese Communist Party developed virus. And CNN and all of these other people have profiteered off it. Look at the wealth redistribution throughout the course of this pandemic. The trillions upon trillions. And I've talked about this before, and I really want you to internalize it. And I I need you to ask this question of your neighbors and your friends and the people you meet at the bar or in line, in the shop. If you get to chatting, I want your feedback on this because I, I really think there's something here. Maybe I've just convinced myself of it because I love my own ideas, but I said it on this show before. I've said it on the war room before. Where... Where did the pandemic preparedness budgets over the last several decades go? Whose pockets is that money in? Because we sure as hell were not prepared for a pandemic. Again, whether whether you believe it was whether it's true or false or whatever, the, the fact of the matter is the world declared it a pandemic and we lived our lives as if it was the pandemic. Lucky to all of you out there, by the way, and I've been traveling a lot lately, and I, I I realize, and I need you to realize as well, that if you haven't been to places like Washington, D.C. throughout this pandemic over the last year or so, you have no idea the level of tyranny that we've been living under here. It's not just, it's not just snarling on the street when somebody sees you without a mask, although that is daily, hourly. Everywhere you walk in, some petty tyrant now. Sir, sir, you have to be wearing a mask, sir. You know? And I have had the opportunity to travel. And once you're off the airplane and out of the airport, in fact, even in some cities, even when you're in the airport, they don't care. And it's wonderful. And everybody's living their lives. And everybody's being kind and courteous to the people around them. You know, if they see an elderly couple that are wearing a mask, nobody's going up to them and 
and and breathing in their face or coughing in their face. Everybody's treating each other with dignity out there in the real world. But in the hyper-progressive communist cities, it's torture. It's tyranny. And, and you have no idea how, how just soul-destroying it is being lectured by a, a, shop, a five-foot-three fat little shop clerk. Put your mask on. You have to cover all of your nose. You know, they're obese. They're, they're wolfing down cheeseburgers like there's no tomorrow, but that's the health crisis. You not wearing a paper mask in a shop is the health crisis. <laughs> I did not even mean to go off on a rant like that right at the top of this show, but it's infuriating. And then you see these two books that we reported on this weekend. Now, I, wa- I want all of you to know, not that, you know, nobody, I need, I need a pat on the back, although it would be nice. I don't need a pat on the back. And I know Natalie Winters doesn't need a pat on the back either, but what we want is credit where it's due, especially from these big corporate news outlets that pinch our stories left, right, and center and never credit us for them. I am sick of it. It's outrageous. And you know exactly what they're doing. Small outlet like ours is entirely dependent on two things. That is you, the people, to fund it. Because guess what? No corporate entity wants to come near us. And that's fine. I don't go near them neither. Either. Whatever. But two, we need to be credited and linked back to from larger outlets. That's how people find us. That's how traffic comes to the site. That's how people start to realize that we are the news, the real news. And whether it's Fox or the New York Post or any of these outlets, I am sick to my teeth of them plagiarizing from us day in and day out. We broke the story. Natalie just found, because she bothers to do the research and stay abreast of things, she found Fauci's new book that's due to come out on the Barnes & Noble website, and she broke the story on it. And now you've got people all over the place, even from like friendly outlets, American greatness and that kind of thing, running the story, no credit to us. I'm sorry for whining like this, but I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. It's plagiarism. And I don't, I just, you cannot stand on any kind of moral high ground as, a, as an outlet of the political right, pointing fingers at the other side for being frauds and farcical and and lying to people while you plagiarize other people on the political right give me a break why is it so difficult what because you didn't break the story every time we write a story at the national polls that has first been reported by somebody else you know you ask the staff you ask everybody that writes for us you ask every contractor, Mike McCormick, you ask Natalie Winters, you ask Catherine Salgado, you ask anyone, ask them. What do I always say? Credit your source. Credit your source and link back to them. 
every single time. Maybe, maybe I'm just, uh, you know, antiquated like this. Maybe I'm just an old codger who thinks it's the reasonable and polite thing to do to credit your sources anyway. Bang on about my problems. Let's talk about the problem we all have, which is Expect the Unexpected by Dr. Anthony Fauci. Now, Expect the Unexpected also happens to be... Now, I used to work in a cell phone shop in um, West London, in Ealing, in West London, for those of you that don't, uh, don't know. And... Several years after I worked in this phone shop, there is a very there is a very s- specific kind of um, culture, let's say, in these phone shops. Um, a lot of a lot of testosterone, and a few years after I left working in the phone shop, there was a show that came out. I think it was Channel Four in the UK or something. Uh, literally called phone shop and it was it's it's a hilarious comedy um which is almost exactly true to reality about what it's like to work in a mobile phone shop at least in the united kingdom and (laughs) you're like why are you talking about this um there's a character (laughs) it's so good there's a character in phone shop called raz prince Raz Prince is kind of the, he's like the regional manager or something like that. And he's this very, um, very kind of, I don't even know how to describe it. Hyper caricature of an Asian sort of like either Pakistani background uh, guy, um, you know, meant to look like he's wearing a nice suit, but doesn't really know how to wear a nice suit. You know, the jacket's too baggy, the tie's too thick, collars are overlapping the waistcoat, you know, all those sorts of things. And he's got this spiky, gelled-up hair in the middle. It's very, it's very sort of late 90s, early 2000s thing. And Raz Prince's catchphrase <laughs> was, and I'm going to play it here. Lance. it's expect the unexpected and he does it in slow motion for those of you who have watched like the office or something like that it's that kind of this scene and right now he's like reaching into his jacket for a fake gun and he's pulling it out in slow motion and just being a clown generally but his his catchphrase is expect the unexpected so i found it very difficult to take tony fauci's book title seriously when we found okay, i'm gonna turn that off now when we found it uh this weekend when, when natalie found it i won't claim to have found it when natalie found it this weekend it's called expect the unexpected right but it brings me on to uh, you know a, a a a linked point that i was making a moment ago which is this they didn't expect the unexpected did they the, all the pandemic preparedness, it, by, by March last year, when, when all the world kind of knew that this was going to be, uh, uh, you know, h- horrific, we all knew it in our guts. We, you know, Steve and I happened to launch the War and Pandemic show in January because we trust our guts a bit more readily than everyone else. Uh, and by the way, the real science behind all this stuff, 
not the fake science we were being we were being told was going on. But we knew by March that this was a total cluster, you know what. We expected the unexpected, but Fauci clearly didn't. He had no plans to close any of the borders and, uh, and, and actively objected to it when Peter Navarro uh, suggested it. Luckily, Trump sided with Navarro. Otherwise, the death toll, by the way, would be three times as high. But Fauci's got blood on his hands as it is. He didn't expect the unexpected. All of his years of work, great study as a scholar, sound and fury signifying nothing. Nothing. So what do you mean expect the unexpected? I'm going to talk about a few of these things now. If I can... uh, God, I tell you... All this, all this stuff that's going on at the moment, it's frying my brain. I'm now scrolling through my phone, just totally, totally forgetting <laughs> how to dial Natalie Winters into the show. Just brain totally fried. All right, that's the phone. Hopefully she picks up. Hello. We're live. <laughs> I never know what to say when I call. So I just play it safe with hello. Well, you didn't call in. You picked up the phone, so it's perfectly reasonable for you to say hello. Well, sometimes it's before the podcast, and it's just you. Yeah. So I never know. I do it on purpose. You must know that by now. Just literally, Obviously. just literally yeah. do it to add like humor to my own life, let alone to the show. Anyway, we're live, so we should probably we should probably get on with doing the news over here. Okay, Natalie, I have just done a twenty-one minute rant about Raz Prince. Mm. Yeah, do you know Raz Prince? No. <laughs> so Raz Prince <laughs> was a character in the UK early two thousand sitcom Phone Shop, but Raz Prince's um, his catchphrase was expect the unexpected. Mm, now, right, that well, exactly. So, so I think, you know, we have to compare and contrast. I, I'd like a dissertation on this. Compare and contrast, you know, the character of Raz Prince to the character of Anthony Fauci. And despite Raz Prince being, a, you know, a, a, a comedy character who was supposed to be laughed at, I still think Fauci has less credibility. As, you know, in pandemic, I trust Raz Prince on pandemic preparedness sooner than I trust Dr. Fauci. Now, given that you don't know who Raz Prince is, Natalie, (laughs) what say you to that? Well, even though I don't know who he is, I probably uh, agree with your thesis because I don't think that there's anyone that I could trust less than Dr. Fauci uh, on advising the U.S. government and U.S. citizens on how to react and respond to COVID-19. So even though I don't know what you're talking about, exactly. I think I agree. Exactly. And isn't that just the point? Um, <laughs> so look, and everybody's now going to go away and YouTube Raz Prince, and they should. It's R-A-Z-Z P-R-I-N-C-E. And, and it's just an, it's, it's an awesome character, and it's an awesome sitcom. 
But to deviate from Raz Prince for a second, I've I've talked about Fauci's book. I haven't talked about the children's book yet, Natalie, but I've talked about this book, Expect the Unexpected, 10 Lessons on Truth, Service, and the Way Forward. We're expecting this, I think, in November. And my question is, my first question is, you know, we're hearing from the Washington Post today. I mean, it's kind of breaking news, so we don't even know all of the details right now as, we, as we're recording this podcast. But they've got access, or they've been given access to, to some of Fauci's emails from around the time the pandemic was breaking, and, and, and you know, they're trying to make a hero out of him. They're showing him, you know, I, I respond to every single email I get. Again, not the best use of time for the head of the NIAID, <laughs> right? I'm not sure I'd go around, you know, bragging about that, that at 1.53 a.m. you were replying to some, you know, bloke that you had a pint with out in Colorado somewhere. And I'm not even making that detail up. That's in the story that he was doing that. But nevertheless, um at this point in time what can we expect um dr fauci to talk about in his 10 lessons on truth service and the way forward well first of all i would just very quickly add that the niaid does not always respond to emails and i would know this (laughs) firsthand (laughs) not only because i always reach out for comments and well, one time they responded and they said, okay, we're going to put you in contact with the, the proper people who can answer this. Yeah. And then I never heard back and I followed up literally eight more times and I still haven't heard back. Interestingly enough, it was about how Dr. Fauci visited China about 10 years after he took over NIAID. So I wanted to know what he was doing there. If he happened to visit Wuhan. Um, so maybe we'll do a story on that at some point. I'd really appreciate it if they would respond, but it doesn't seem like they will. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's, it's I put it this way. I read the uh, synopsis for for this book, the the forthcoming one that Dr. Mm. Fauci actually wrote uh, to be published under National Geographic. And I actually had to check at Barnes & Noble and and all these other book sites because I thought it was a parody. I actually didn't think it was, I actually didn't think it was real. Not only because just the optics of, you know, Mr. Pandemic Response Coordinator who has no time to do anything and he's just reading the data so he can give us the, you know, best advice on how to deal with COVID-19, had time to write a book, had time to give exclusive interviews to National Geographic about the book, had time to give exclusive interviews to the author of the children's book, the other one that's coming out. So just from that perspective, but then I actually realized it's real. And, and when you read about what they're talking about, it's, I mean, this is a whole other cover up, I'd say almost as bad as that of COVID-19 and the origins of the virus, which of course can be traced to the Chinese Communist Party. But this is a cover up of Anthony Fauci, whose track record on, on infectious disease is certainly not the, the caliber, the pristine caliber that this book is making it out to be. I know you talked about that village voice letter mm. about his conduct and his research on HIV AIDS, but even if you forget all that and you, you know, start the clock at a uh, two years ago when COVID-19 really kind of first, you know, came to the stage, nothing about his response is worthy of a book, let alone one with, I'm sure, a great advance, uh, probably worth millions of dollars. Uh, and it's just, it's just mind boggling. And it's totally revisionist history because there's no mention of the fact that his agency, uh, funded research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which we've found, of course, can be linked to gain-of-function research. Uh, In the children's book, they mention the origins of COVID-19, but they pose it as some childish question, like, 
oh, where did COVID-19 came, come from? That's uh, and then in the next slide, yeah, no, and then in the next slide, it says, well, Dr. Fauci, you know, got to the bottom of it. And it's just like, what? This is, this is quite literally propaganda. And I don't use that in a hyperbolic way, but it's, I mean, it's just so disparate from, from reality. He's such a controversial figure with regards to COVID-19. The fact that he quite literally helped fund the lab that likely created this. So I don't understand why he's getting booked. I mean, it's, well, I, we all understand I, why I, he's I getting booked. Well, right. yeah, yes, but it's, it's honestly absurd. Um, and yeah, like I said, I, I honestly thought it was a joke and I hesitated publishing the story because I was like, is this, is this like a, a joke? Is, mm. this, is this someone just trying to get, you know, right-wing media to get in the headspin right. over a forthcoming book? But it's obviously not. So, yeah. Well, and, you know, even if even if it were a joke, I, and, and we when we find out after the fact that it was a joke, the fact that they would be making a joke about that would, would lend to the fact that how, how uncredible something like that should be. But nevertheless, it's happening. And I think a lot of people will be sitting there going, of course he was always going to write a book. Yes, of course he was always going to write a book. Um, but it's, it's right now, and it's in your face, and it's, it, it's as more and more drips out about his involvement with all of these people let's talk for a second about some of the names that are coming up in this in this washington post report today um what's the guy's name gal is gal the name george gal george yes. gal so i know we don't have a fully fleshed out story on this yet but just as a teaser what are we looking for in these emails and specifically what are we looking for uh, as it pertains to i mean who is george gal and why and why is anthony fauci calling him his friend in emails Sure. So George Gao is the director of the Chinese uh, Center for Disease Control and Prevention. He's held that role since 2017, but he's also very relevant to the whole COVID-19 Wuhan Institute of Virology narrative um, because he's, I, f I forget if he specifically held a leadership role there or not, but he attended a lot of the conferences. He comes up on the, their website. A lot, and of course, he's linked in with the Chinese Academy of Sciences. Which, if you've seen pictures of the Wuhan Institute of Virology building, it, underneath the Chinese text on the on the facade of it, it says Wuhan Institute of Virology, comma CAS, which of course stands for Chinese Academy of Sciences. Yeah. So, it, it, within that network, he's he's very powerful. Um, but he's also a key player in this. There was a story that uh, people right, might remember that that we had about you know, heavily, heavily Fauci funded U.S. researchers going overseas to the, the Wuhan Institute of Virology to participate in a conference where the primary uh, item that they were talking about and discussing and lecturing on was none other than, quote, gain-of-function research. And that's, yeah. of course, quoting the Wuhan website. And George Gao attended that event. He helped lead it. He was one of the hosts. Um, and like I said, he, he's a key player in the whole Wuhan Institute of Virology narrative. And people might remember that for some reason, well, we know why, because our mainstream media class is deeply embedded with the Chinese Communist Party. But when George Gao said it was a, a big mistake for, I guess, Fauci not to be recommending that uh, U.S. citizens wear masks, uh, it spread like wildfire amongst establishment media outlets. Uh, saying Chinese CDC director criticizes, you know, Fauci for saying it's a quote big mistake. I'm sure they somehow linked it to Trump at the time. Um, but in the email exchange that you see between Fauci and George Gao, which buried lead, you know, Fauci is having these private emails with a Chinese Communist Party 
scientific leader who runs, you know, the Thousand Talents program, who's collaborating with Xinjiang and entities that have been sanctioned by the U.S. government. But right. if you set that aside for a bit, um, George Gao sends Fauci, you know, a, a, a weak little email. Oh, I, I'm so sorry. It was, you know, a social media live interview that I said that I didn't mean to do that. And Fauci had back with like, oh, all good. No worries. So I think it just shows you a very informal relationship between the two, which maybe he's the person that Fauci was talking about in that clip that we had unearthed. It also tells you who's the ju- it yeah. also tell you who tells you who's the junior partner in that relationship, right? Because mm-hmm. because Fauci literally just just takes it. He just takes it. He's getting he's getting ridiculed publicly by this person that he thought was his friend. Uh, his buddy comes back to him and goes, "Oh, you know, I wouldn't worry about it if I were you." And Fauci just goes, "Yeah, all right, whatever." It's, I mean, I I just it's, it's crazy, I, and I I would love to see more of the emails. I think we were trying to figure out, and I'm going to submit a FOIA request where I have the chance. Yeah. Uh, but they basically got two months. They being the Washington Post, yeah. two months uh, of emails from from Fauci, and they only released about twenty screenshots of them yeah so yeah i think there's probably a lot more so what about this and what about this kids book that's coming out maybe for those that don't know what it is just explain that at the same time as you found out about the um the fauci book with with national geographic there's also this kids book coming out by simon and schuster Yes, I'm probably going to get banned from Amazon because I keep finding all these stories just from searching books that relate to Fauci. But uh, this this book, <laughs> and they, they make for great stories. No, yeah. um, So this book, I would argue, is almost more egregious than the uh, self-authored one about Fauci. It's entitled, Dr. Fauci, How a Boy from Brooklyn Became America's Doctor. I almost can't read that without laughing yeah. because it's so absurd. Um, and there, there are a couple of excerpts from the book that they include on the Amazon page. They talk about, like I said, you know, where did COVID-19 come from? They talk about Fauci's advice for kids who are interested in science. But I think the bigger takeaway from this book and what really makes it, I think, so galling and, and just next level propaganda really is that they're using it to push children to get the vaccine. And that's not me extrapolating anything. That's not me being hyperbolic. Um, This book, which is marketed, it says, for kids who are four to eight years old, in an interview, which the, you know, super busy Dr. Fauci seems to have time to do with the the book's author, uh, the author says, let me get the exact quote. She says in the book, um, let me read it. Take, Take your time. She says, at the end of our picture book biography, we have a section about how vaccines work, and it talks about how being vaccinated sort of makes you a disease-fighting superhero. And by no means am I anti-vax, but there's a difference between letting families and parents decide what they want to do with regards to the vaccine and then giving four-year-olds books that are telling them, hey, take this vaccine when, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, the COVID-19 yeah. is an experimental therapy. Right. Do what the government uh, tells you. Them that they're a superhero. Yeah, do what the government yeah. tells you. It makes you a superhero. <laughs> so, yeah, and you should look at the article and you can see, see the graphics that they use in the book. They say, uh, a virus too tiny to see had stopped the whole world in its tracks. Where had it come from? Why was it spreading so quickly? Uh, and the next page, they don't say China. They don't say the Chinese Communist Party. They don't say Wuhan Institute of Virology. And they certainly don't say gain of function research so it really is just an entire puff piece i would say uh 
on Dr. Fauci to indoctrinate, like I said, kids as young as four years old, uh, that they should grow up wanting to be Dr. Fauci. So in other words, collaborators with a genocidal regime uh, and people who fund entities that collaborate with entities that are sanctioned by the U.S. government for carrying out human rights abuses against Uyghurs in Xinjiang, but apparently that's the role model for children today. So speaking of collaborators, look, I know we keep we keep deferring the the BLM coverage, and I'm going to do that again right now. It's, oh, no. it's, well, you know, it's so secondary and tertiary. It's very important stuff, but it it, it pales in, in importance in comparison to to some of these things that we're dealing with now. BLM are useful idiots, right? They are they are people who were co opted by by Marxists communists taught these things at a young age have gone on to be agitators and and of course have gone on to ruin america i mean that's very clear if you look at how blm operates and what they've done to the country especially over the last year don't get me wrong it's not not important it's just not as important as what's going on with all of this stuff uh because it is a direct i think it is direct war that we're seeing right now being waged upon the western world by the chinese communist party if you don't believe that to be the case ladies and gentlemen you are living in cloud cuckoo land if you do not believe that the west is under attack right now that they have declared war on us and we have not yet responded then you are living in cloud cuckoo land and you are part of the problem it is not enough to be passively anti-communist you must be actively anti-communist let's talk about those collaborators who are actively communist who are actively working with the chinese communist party natalie and that is the latest story that we have up on the site which is about the biden center the Biden Center, uh, the Joseph R. Biden School of Public Policy and Administration at the University of Delaware. What's been going on there? Yes, so this is a, a school that we've been covering for some time. Not only is it, you know, funded, bankrolled by the these kind of Biden apparatus, but it, it describes itself as really seeking to kind of uphold the values and legacy uh, of the current president. So it's very interesting that I believe it was about a week prior to uh, Joe Biden, you know, coming out with a rehearsed statement saying, we're going to use all of our intelligence capabilities to get to the bottom of COVID-19. And, oh, you know, we think that the lab leak theory is is viable. Uh, His center, which kind of epitomizes, in his own words, his legacy, um, is hosting people, not only officials from the Chinese Communist Party, but really the chief architect of the whole natural origins theory and, of course, recipient of, of Fauci's grants from the NIAID who collaborated with the Wuhan Institute of Virology, Peter Doshak, to hold about an hour-long seminar um, on science diplomacy. Uh, that's what they say. And this event was hosted uh, in tandem with two senators, one being Chris Coons, who is very, he's the uh, senator from Delaware that replaced Joe Biden when he departed for the Obama administration, he's been dubbed the Biden whisperer by a lot of these mainstream media outlets. On, and man. also, of course, <laughs> yes, and of course, Lisa Murkowski, um, the awful senator from, I think it's Alaska, never, never. Trump. I think that's her, um, I, by the way, I think that's her official bio. Yeah. <laughs> the awful senator. <laughs> but, You're just reading so, that from her website. That's not even you editorializing. Um, yeah, I know that's. That's your Twitter. But no, so they host this briefing and I watched it. Hang on, hang on, hang on. on. Just before we we get the detail on that. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, to interrupt on that. But but I just want to make clear that from now on, remember, we always say Biden regime, and I'm very proud of you, Natalie, for, for 
keeping that up while <laughs> while softer people have deferred to administration right but it's not it doesn't act like an administration it acts like a regime so we will call it a regime from now on it is the debunked bat soup theory right you call it whatever you want after the word debunked but debunked must always editorial note live editorial note debunked must always preface the 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 soup theory okay i think you should get a button that says regime and you can press it every time someone says administration. Fine. You can you probably can use it sometimes with me. No, no, I I've been better. You're but, pretty good. At um, it. Yeah, no, I I'm pretty good. I was I was speaking at that event last week, and I told the I said regime. And I told the audience why we say regime. Yeah. So I I put and I a bet, very solid and defense. I bet you we got an applause. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> It was like that, right? So, sure, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 best th- the best thing about having Natalie on the podcast with me, she will literally just laugh at whatever I do. Whatever I do, whatever I say, I'm a funny guy. And it's perfect. It's perfect. If you want to, listen, if, if everybody out there who's Natalie's age or, or in the milieu and you're thinking, why isn't your boss giving you a pay rise? You're not laughing at his jokes enough, okay? And that's what Natalie's very good at. So thank you for, for boosting my ego at my cheesy, corny dad jokes. Um, and, and my, and my canned, my canned clips here. Let me take you back to where you were. So you were talking about Chris Coons and, and Lisa Murkowski who partnered in this event at, uh, the university of Delaware. Yeah. So a professor from this Biden Institute hosts an event. It's about an hour long and among the participants in it are a former Chinese communist party, party secretary, um, at, at, Chinese academic institution. So basically his role is to report on all the academics from Chinese universities and make sure that they're staying in line with Chinese Communist Party ideology and propaganda and doctrine. Mm. So yeah, that's one speaker um, who also has a new home at New York University, their Shanghai school. Um, but that's for another topic sometimes. Um, and then, of course, you have Peter Dalshak, who is the president of EcoHealth Alliance which I think by now may have a little more name recognition, but this is one of these proxies that the NIAID, which is Fauci's agency, sent taxpayer dollars to, who collaborated on right. studies with the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And many, many people, science, scientific, scientists smarter than us, alleged that it was gain-of-function research that had to do with bat coronaviruses and manipulating them to become chimeric viruses that could spread with, quote, epidemic levels uh, of lethality and that's of course a direct quote from now deleted articles uh, or web pages from the wuhan institute of virology just, just, Nathalie, website just, just, just slow down yeah. just slow down okay yes <laughs> I so, just, I some people are listening on two off. and a half times speed <laughs> i have to say i wish youtube would update their site so you could do three times speed because Two times speed is too slow now when I watch all these Black Lives Matter old speeches. Or maybe they just don't speak very quickly. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. But, Racist. No, no, no. So just slow down. Because I'm even struggling to keep up here. And I, you know, I know a lot of the audience, we're gaining new audience every day. Welcome to those who are just joining us. This is what we do. We go into the detail. And, and, and we will, we are method you know, methodical about it. We are data-based about it. We, we get the receipts. 
Natalie is extraordinarily good at that. She's also extraordinarily good at speaking very quickly. So let's just, we want to slow it down and let's just go over that again. Yes. Well, I think that maybe the reason why this Peter Doshak character is hard to understand Mm. is because he's compromised on so many levels. And he's also played so many key roles within this whole COVID-19 narrative that it's hard to really understand who he is because he keeps appearing. But when the mainstream media presents you with him, they always kind of pretend he's someone else. Yes. Um, so to start, he is the COVID-19 investigator for the World Health Organization, <laughs> who was the the main really proponent of the debunked yeah. lab the, the, No, no, the, the debunked natural origins theory. The sorry. debunked natural origins <laughs> um, theory, the debunked bat soup theory. But, but Natalie, on that point, you know, Peter Daszak was, let's call it what it is, he was an activist. He was an evangelical activist about the uh, bat soup theory. And he's the one they put in charge of the investigation. Yeah, he, he wasn't even in the camp of, well, it's more likely right. it was natural origins than a lab leak. He wouldn't even say yeah. uh, lab He was leak. like, oh, Those no, I've had the soup. I've seen yeah. the soup. Yeah. He's like, it was me. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... And then also on Peter Dalshak, he's also just collaborated with these Chinese Communist Party-run scientific organizations mm-hmm. for a very, very long time, hosting conferences alongside them, accepting their money also to carry out these studies at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, the other level of just compromise and, and confusion with Dalshak is that he received, when, when you hear the narrative that, oh, taxpayer funds went to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, what we're really talking about is his organization, which is called EcoHealth Alliance, and he serves as the president there. Um, And like I said, they've been collaborating with the Wuhan Institute of Virology on what is perceived to be gain-of-function research with regards to bat coronaviruses. So in other words, from the birth of COVID-19 to it actually, you know, entering the world and infecting millions of people, uh, he's not only been critical in creating it, but also in extending the narrative that uh, it has natural origins. And I mean, really is, I would say, the, the main defender of this theory in the mainstream media and, of course, in Chinese state-run media, which he loves to go on all the time. So, so, so this is, essentially, yeah. Just on that, have you, have you managed, I don't know, in any of the, in any of the research you've been doing, have you seen... Because I think most people are now, you know, covering their backs, coming around to the fact that that this wasn't a bowl of soup. Um, has anybody yet in the in the in the corporate media said right? Well, you know, may they're not going to admit at this point in time that a it was intentional and and it was a bio weapon. We'll get there. They're also not going to back down from defending Fauci on this. But have you seen anybody start yet to go? Hmm. Well, you know, um, Dashik was pretty well trusted to the point where Fauci's organizations were rubber stamping grants. So if Dashik's theory is now debunked, what does it say about NAIAID, EIO, and all of the, you know, <laughs> all of the, 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 the apparatus surrounding Fauci that had to 
had to dole these grants out to these people, had to effectively vet them, had to prove that they were good faith actors and good scientists. Because no matter what way you cut it now, Dashik is discredited. And if Dashik is discredited, that doesn't just go, that, that, the, the, the blame doesn't then just stop at Dashik. It stops at the people who enabled him. And the people who enabled him were the people around Dr. Fauci. Is anybody talking about that yet? No, I, I haven't seen that narrative come out yet. Obviously, the mainstream media is, is sort of starting to entertain the lab leak theory, but they have yet to turn on Peter Dawshak or really present him as anything other than just quoting him, you know, uh, without either as WHO COVID investigator or president of EcoHealth Alliance. But no, you're you're totally right. And I'd also add that um, Fauci didn't just fund Peter Dawshak. No, he spoke at EcoHealth Alliance events repeatedly, oh, yeah. two events in 20, 2016 alone. Uh, one of them had to do with Ebola. One of them, I think, had to do with one of your favorite topics, pandemic preparedness. Um, Wait, hold on. So, Why is that one of my favorite topics? <laughs> no, I just feel like I, I always hear you now asking, where did the trillions of dollars go for <laughs> pandemic preparedness? Hold so, on, hold so on. That's where hold the money on. I've said it three <laughs> times. I've said it three times ever. And yes, I, I'm interested in it. Because are you not interested in, look, why are these books coming out now, right? Why is the Fauci book? Why is the children's book? Why is Brett Stevens writing in the in the New York Times yesterday, media group think and the lab leak theory, right? The reason that all of that is going on now is they are playing CYA in a huge way. They are trying to cover their tracks, trying to cover their behinds, but the trail is too long and it goes too deep. And where you start with unraveling things like that is you just start asking the basic questions that no reporter... No mainstream corporate reporter would be able to bat away as as partisan opinion or editorializing. The question is, if there was so much in terms of pandemic preparedness over decades, then why were we not prepared for a pandemic? And and you will you will find that more people will come to the table as a result of that question than as a result of how do we punish Peter Daszak? You know what I mean? That's why that's why I'm coming at it from that angle. Not that no, I have to no, and, to you. and I, I totally, <laughs> yeah. no, I, I totally agree, and I think this is what we we're talking about too. In the last podcast, is these scientists who, like, I, like I think I said, this Biden Center event, its whole theme was why we need to collaborate with China more on science, and specifically yeah. the Chinese Communist Party. Um, and I think that this whole COVID nineteen experience, much like you know, where did the pandemic preparedness money go? Mm -hmm. What was the point of collaborating with the Chinese Communist Party, um, potentially on the research that created this virus, if we can't get anything closely resembling "quote unquote" transparency from them on the origins of the virus, on transmission, on Just how it spread, on Just where information. It you know what information, information have you? Have yeah. you yeah, what information have you uncovered in your collaboration with the CCP, Dr. Fauci? If it was so important this whole time that the Biden Center at the University of Delaware needed to have events on collaboration with the CCP, then where is the information that you collaborated on, and what did it teach us, and how did it save lives? They, they answer those questions, and if you can answer those questions, I will tuck my tail between my legs and I'll waddle on home to England. Okay, that that is my promise, that is my pledge. Um, but they can't answer 
answer any of those questions. Natalie, we're running out of time. We've been going nearly an hour here. Uh, uh, this story is incredibly important. It's very well reported. It's called Revealed Biden Center Hosted CCP Officials and COVID Cover-Up Chief Peter Dashak for Collaborators Event. I recommend you all make sure you go out and ch- go on and check it out. You, Natalie, you're breaking stories about BLM every day. We've obviously got all manner of breaking stories up on the site we host every single episode of the war room up on the site of this podcast up on the site um i don't know when you get a chance to sleep because i certainly don't and it is and it is hurting my brain at the moment especially with all the travel that's going on in between it um natalie just want to want to uh mention this did you did you look at the brett stevens column in the new york times no but i heard you read the first sentence on war room it's 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 quite something um it's called media groupthink and the lab leak theory and it starts quote if it turns out that covid that the covid pandemic was caused by a leak from a lab in wuhan china it will rank amongst the greatest scientific scandals in history dangerous research possibly involving ethically dubious techniques that make viruses more dangerous carried out in poorly safeguarded facilities thuggishly covered up by a regime more interested in propaganda than human life catastrophic for the entire world and it goes on i mean you know stevens is not uh, not exactly uh, a friendly let's say to the uh, to the uh, those of us who are ccp skeptics <laughs> to put it mildly um, Certainly not. But can, I, can I add one quick thing? Go ahead. I buried the lead on the story. Don't worry. Then, honestly, then, then they have to go and read it. Okay, fine. Wait, what's the lead? Go on, tell us. <laughs> no, it's it's actually funny. So Biden's deputy director for science and society in the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy, which is a really long name. She was on this Zoom call. Oh yeah, Alondra Nelson. For what? For twenty minutes, she says nothing, and then she just leaves. <laughs> so I'm open to I'm open to the theory to know what happened and why she was there in the first place because I kept watching it and it was it was the weirdest thing. So if we want to come up with our own conspiracy theories, I have no idea who, why she was there, what she was doing, what just what was happening. So yeah, <laughs> that is weird. That is weird. I know. Uh, so she just dials into the wrong Zoom call. <laughs> I think that's what happened. Twenty minutes later, she's like, "Oh crap!" Um, so. interesting, interesting. Well, she, go and check out that story, ladies and gentlemen. Look, this this Brett Stevens thing is also very important. Um, you know, he concludes with the with the line, "Good journalism, like good science, should follow evidence, not narratives." It should pay as much heed to intelligent gadflies as it does to eminent authorities, and it should never treat honest disagreement as moral heresy. I happen to believe that intelligent gadflies is a reference to Steve Bannon, um, but it may, but it may well just as well be a reference to you, Natalie Winters, who's been doing some of the most incredible digging on this story, and will continue to do it. Uh, anything else before I let you go? I don't think so. Come on, Thank you dude. for having me. Plug your plug your event. Tell people to watch it on YouTube. Where what, what you did an event last week? Oh, I I did an event last week. I did. <laughs> I was <both> at the, <laughs> I don't think people understand. My entire life is just listening to old Black Lives Matter co-founder speeches on two times speed. So I 
I forget how to interact. No. And, um, and 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 reading Fauci and searching Fauci on Amazon. Yeah. Um, and occasionally texting. No, I search you know, like, for the Fauci stuff. Occasionally texting me headlines that are BLM. unusable. Yeah. Um, no, I spoke to the Metropolitan Republican Club last week. Yeah. I am later today filming um, a documentary on Chinese Communist Party subversion with the Epic Times. Yeah. Um, and. Yeah, I think. Uh, where can think people? What can people watch your speech back anyway? Oh, okay. Well, they're still getting me the the footage. Okay. So, so not yet. It, that's where, why. That's why I didn't plug oh, it. Right. Okay. Because where it's not it, pluggable yet. Where will it be when it does go up? <laughs> where should people look out for? Where should they be subscribing to you? I would. I would wager it will be on YouTube. Um, but in the meantime, you Natalie, can follow Natalie, me on Natalie, I rumble. They should subscribe, yes. follow you on Facebook, follow you on Twitter. Well, I was, I was getting there. Okay. Say, but in the meantime, right. you should follow me on Twitter yeah. at Natalie G. Winters. Yeah. I have a professional Facebook page. I also have a personal one, but I might not accept you on that. Um, and <laughs> and why leave the door uh, open to, to that? Like you, then, then you're just going to complain no, to me. I, oh, strangers no. are requesting me on Facebook. Well, you invited them to. No, I would. I would rather say I have to make sure you add the professional one yes. because I don't use the personal one anymore. Yes. So because because it has thousands of friends requests. Oh, I have the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, you can like hit a maximum and then you can't use it anymore. So yep. you can try to friend it, but <laughs> but she don't want to be your friend. Um, no, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just finally, just finally, uh, so you can have a, you can have yeah. a, an off air giggle fit. Um, what um, you're you're recording something, and then you're going up to New York to do this new federal state of China anniversary event on Thursday. Yes, uh, I'm leaving tomorrow. But I'll right, well, you know, I don't need your I don't need your train number. <laughs> Just tell us what the event is and what you'll be talking about. Okay, I'm not leaving tomorrow. Right. Um, it is the one year anniversary of the new federal state of China, whose I think MO is to take down the CCP, which is something that, that we is agree line. Yeah. wholeheartedly with at the National Post. Mm-hmm. So we'll be celebrating their anniversary. I think uh, I was told by. Steve, that I will be co-hosting from the top of the World Trade Center or the the one that they built, uh, yep, the War Room, mm-hmm. in the morning uh, from the 102nd floor. So it should be very cool and beautiful. I think I might be speaking. I don't know. Uh, I haven't been told exactly yet, but uh, no, we'll be celebrating uh, all that they they've worked. All right. Towards and, and forward and, with regards to the CCP. And as and as much as you'll be celebrating, we will be exposing um the Chinese Communist Party and everything that's going on, Natalie. Um not to rush you kind away. Stories, but we are yeah. at an hour's length in this podcast today, so I gotta <laughs> let you go. But thank, thank you. you. Thank you for your time and thank you for your work. Natalie Winters there, everybody, ladies and gentlemen. Um just phenomenal work. Uh, don't um don't mistake me teasing her for uh, for meanness. We do it. To, we both do it to each other all the time, um, and it would not be the same without it. Because let me tell you something: we both get increasingly delirious from all of the uh, lies, misrepresentations, plagiarism, travel, everything else that's been going on, uh, and and we're trying our uttermost and our hardest. And I thank you for all of your support. I want to take a moment to thank. 
um, all of the people who have joined up in recent days. But I'm going to play. I'm going to play under under me doing that. I'm going to play a song that uh, has been recorded by one of our members. The song is "Soul of a Man," so it's uh, it's a cover, but it's a uh, pretty great version. And I have the uh, permission to use this from Stephen Dale Petit. And I want to thank our new members. Carrie, John, Harvey, James, Tiffany, Nadine, Mary, Kathy, Richard, Jackie, Fumiko, John, Deb, Susan, Stephen, Diane, John, Christopher, Edward, Ronald, Michael, Sandra, James, Kim, Gregory, Terry, Laura, O-L-C-B-T-D. I don't know what that stands for. Probably something naughty that I shouldn't have said. Adam, Kevin, Gerda. Or Gerda? Brenda, Andrew, Paul, Vincent, Bernice. Oh, no. This name I'm not going to pronounce well. Uh, Joju Yungi. I'm sorry for butchering that. Sean, Tony, Mark, Anna Maria. Haimo. Teresa, Pretty, Mary, Gordon, Elizabeth, Robin, Robin, Beverly, Jeanette, Chevelle, Doreen, and the list goes on and on and on. You can support our investigative work over at fundrealnews.com. Incredibly grateful. If you just kick in $5, it helps us. $10 helps us even more. We have various different levels of membership for what we call the National Pulse Artist Collective. We have an amazing group live chat that goes all day, every day. I jump in there several times a day, and I'll even do little town halls, private town halls, and answer questions in there. You want all those benefits? Come on over to fundrealnews.com. Right. Um, Finally... People will know, if you've been a long-term listener to this, you will know. I did a show a while back about Carrie Simmons and the G7. We'll be talking at length about that with our guest from last time, Ben Harris-Quinney, chairman of the Bow Group. But look back at the title I made of that last episode about Carrie Simmons. It was exactly about the G7. And I was exactly right. They are using... Carrie and Boris got married, somehow got married in a Catholic ceremony despite their multiple um, abortions and divorces and and, and all of this stuff. Somehow, somehow managed to get married in a Catholic church this last weekend in a secret ceremony. And now the theory goes that it was all happening because... She needs a first lady role in the G7. Well, I hate to say I told you so. But I do like the fact that effectively everything we have ever podcast about has come true. I mean, actually, frankly, I don't like that it's come true because there's some awful things that have happened that we predicted. But you were right. That was February 27th. Harry Simmons and how she'll affect the G7 summit. Wow. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, I have talked myself horse. 9 p.m. tonight, I'll be on Newsmax with Steve Cortez. He was supposed to join the show today, never responded. Guess he got busy. That's okay. We had Natalie. We'll have Ben on Thursday. I want to make sure that you have subscribed to this podcast, that you have shared it with other people, that you have left a comment on whatever platform you're using, Google, Podbean, Apple, Spotify, whatever it is. Leave comments, leave reviews, leave five stars. Help us reach more people. Okay, thank you. And I'll see you Thursday.